Um, okay, this week we want to do our modern Jewish halacha, halacha for modern settings. This week's parasha is Mishpatim, so I said let's do a little bit business law. Uh, today's shir is based on the greatest of all dayanim in Harnof. Really, we're, we're, we're Baruch Hashem, I just want to also mention this off the cuff, that it used to be like maybe 20, 30, 10 years ago that the Ashkenazim were kings of Talmud. But Rabbi Yosef, he opened up the door to see that we will have modern day Rambams in our generation. And one of the greatest, most respected Dayanim of all in the entire world is a very great Sephardi rabbi. He lives in Harnof. Very, very internationally respected. Rabbi Yitzhak Zarafani. If anybody's interested in learning these ideas, which is very interesting, just because, especially if you're a lawyer, or I, I'm always fascinated with, with civil law and Torah law and how it works in business. It's the Sefer Shimru Mishpat Chalak Bet. Um, Teshuvah Bet. Number two. I just wanted to give a preference to this from this week's Parsha. We always want to, if possible, not always, but you know, this week's, how do we know one of the biggest chilul Hashem's a Jew could do is sue another Jew in civil court. How do we know this from this week's parsha? This parsha talks about all the laws of Jewish civil law of responsibility that we can't damage your fellow Jew. It says these are the rules, logical, mishpatim is logical civil rules that you should put in front of the Jews. So the Gemara and Gitin, Pechet Amud Bet, 88b, the Talmud Bavli says, Tanya Omer, says, I want to tell you a fascinating thing. Did you know this, this South Korea, they have a fascination with Talmud? Yeah. Because they, they did research, see why the Jews are always the highest IQ people. So let me tell you a fascinating thing. The Gemara says this. And it's possible. Because, I don't know if you know, there's the Lubavitcher Rebbe started, and many other people in Kiruv, the Lubavitcher Rebbe wanted us to be, even Mekar of Goyim, to make them Noachites, B'nei Noach. So let's, so the, in, in the Bible Belt, this is a fascinating thing. You have many churches that have turned not churches anymore. They be, they serve Hashem there, but they're not Jewish, they're B'nei Noach. You can YouTube this, and you can find that. So let's say, Three South Koreans, they know Gemara, they know Shulchan Aruch, or three Noachite people. They love the Bible. They're in, you know, down in Texas, or Virginia, wherever, wherever all those people are, and they, they say that, you know, if you come to our arbitration or our court, we will do exactly as the Torah says. The Gemara says, we, we are not allowed to go to the Ovet Kochavim. Even if they promise and swear that we're gonna judge you, not according to our civil law nonsense. You know, in, in American, probably, I, I, you know, I used to subscribe to Fortune 500 magazine, Fortune magazine and, and Forbes. So I read an article there, it shook me to the core. Because I'm also, I studied to be a CPA and I, I was, I took a lot of business courses. It said something there 
One of the greatest professors in the greatest business school in America, Wharton, Pennsylvania, he wrote an article there in um, in uh, the uh, Fortune or Forbes magazine, which really, really bothered me. He said that America in the near future will, be, will, will become behind China. Possibly within the next 50, 100 years, China, and he said, you know why? Because American companies have to spend more money on legal teams than on research and development. Which means we live in a society where everybody's out to get each other and sue. And this is in part because of the Democrats, because who funds the Democratic Party? The biggest donor to the Democratic Party is the trial lawyers. Did you know that? That's a fact. You can look that up. So in such a society where... Again, I've seen maybe not a dozen, but eight, nine cases of families getting divorced. And Rav Yaakov Hillel says, in the end of the day, You know, it's like a nuclear world war when the Middle Eastern Jews have a divorce. So now, what happens in the end? They fight over the money. Who, get, who takes all the money? The lawyers. The lawyers. So, let's look at a Rambam. The Rambam says, the person that has the chutzpah, this is actually the last Rambam in Hilchot Sanhedrin. Shoftin, and the chapter is the name of 26. That's a beautiful chapter, name of Hashem. Look at this Rambam. The Rambam says, Kol Haddan Dine Goim. Whoever, and I, I, I want to say something, I want to be fair. Maybe 50 years ago, when we, when we didn't have a million and a half Orthodox Jews in America, and people didn't know, were ignorant, then if somebody didn't go to the Jewish arbitration, which is the Bedin, you could say, Baba, he had no other choice. You know, what can we do, Baba? He, he, there was no other, there was no option B, right? But nowadays, I just had a conference with the Ab Bedin of America, the RCA. Rabbinical conference. Here we have the RCC. And you have many other Bate Dinim. The Rambam writes very sharply against these people. He says, whoever decides to abandon the Torah and go to civil court rather than Torah court, Bedin, he's a Rasha. He's evil. It's like he's cursing out God and raising up his hand. It's like he's trying to punch and throw down the Torah of Moshe on the ground. So obviously, the Goyim, because I want to give you a little bit of understanding of this Rambam. The Torah is perfect, like it says in Tehidim. Torah Hashem Temima Meshivat Nafesh. When you don't trust your rabbis and the Torah to solve your problem, you're basically saying that the Torah is nonsense, Chas Veshom. I would put more trust, like I told you, in these uh, civil courts, which are a bunch of libtards, some of them. And honestly, um, maybe I'll give another sheer on the, this could save your life also. I really should maybe make sure I'll give this about how important it is to make a peshara, not even go to Betin, just outside a court settle. There's many halachic sources for that in the Shulchan Aruch and other things. 
Being that I was in Bet Din 35 times, I became a little bit of a rabbinical, rabbinical lawyer, <laughs> like a ton of money. But um, I did not work there for any money. I had to support my father there. But the issue here is the Rambam is writing very sharp language. It says, and I explained to you the reason is, the Torah is complete. The second you don't trust your own chachamim, your own rabbis, and you go trust the goyim more, you basically, you're denying the Torah and you're like a rebellion against Torah. Then he says, um, So he says that, of course, there is always an exception to every rule. And that is, let's say, the, the person that... T- means like this. Let's say Reuven and Shimon have a problem. But Shimon is mafia. So you cannot convince Shimon to come to Betin, the rabbinical court. So what do you do? The Rambam says that. Okay, fine. In such a case, you tell the Betin, give me a heter arkaot. Which means, what? The Betin writes you a stamped letter that say, listen, it takes two to tango, right? So if the guy doesn't want to play ball in the bed team, then, you know, it's, you, you know, I, I always say as a rabbi for Shalom Bayi, you need both people to want Shalom, right? So, you know, that's the exception to the rule. I just want to bring out another thing and I don't want to disrespect anybody. We have a terrible phenomenon in our Persian community and shame on us. What's happened is I've known, I know three cases personally where people lose in Bedin and then they, they, um, they don't want to swallow the hard pill. I think that's even a bigger Chilul Hashem than the Rambam. Then they, they, they go through the Bedin and they try to take it, you know, they want to nullify. Oh my god. Then they should go to civil court. I, in my opinion, these people are a thousand times worse than the Rambam. And the Rambam was writing very, you know why? Because, Achutzpah. If somebody from the beginning went to our code, that's terrible. That's what the Rambam wrote. But now you saw the truth. It says, Elohim Nitzav, but that El. Those three Sadikim, right? I, I forgot to tell you. The Gemara says, Hegyotot, somebody that doesn't know the fourth. Do you know my brother-in-law, Rabbi Eli Balanes? He's in a program. It takes 12 years to get Semicha certification to be a Dayan. And who's in the same program? Rav Yitzchak Yosef's son. Rav Shlomo Amar's son. So who, I don't understand. The people, the minimum it takes to become a Jewish judge is five years. Of studying just the laws of, so, you stood in such a tribunal, you stood in such a, right, holy place that the Shekhinah is there, it says Elohim, Nitzav, and now you have the chutzpah to go against it, so, Let's go back to our case. So our case, the topic of today's shear, I just had to give that preamble to understand what, what's going on. The shear is very simple shear. The shear says like this. Let's say he, me and you, okay, Reuben and Shimon, Jack and Joe, they make a business contract. On the business contract, it says very simply that we will follow civil law, because you know there's something called Dina de Malchuta Dina. We're gonna get back to that in the end of the class with the Rashwa. There's a Chuva 
in Choshen Mishpat, again chapter 26. Tonight is a very, we have holy people here, it's everything is, all the chapters we're quoting is chapter 26. Um, I want to, but this was, there's two cases we're talking about now, which is exactly the same halacha. If either in the contract, it writes like this. It stipulates that if we have a problem with each other, right? Let's say you hire a contractor, right? Or you hire a painter. Or you hire any type of uh, professional. It stipulates in the contract that we will not follow Torah law, but we will follow civil law. So is that valid or not? So it's a fascinating, it's just such a clear book. Wow. This is honestly out of the, all the halakhic books. The name of his saver is called Shimru Mishpat. He's so clear and he summarizes and he, he's such a good author. You know, somebody could be the greatest rabbi in the world doesn't mean he's a good author. But some people know how to write very clearly and good, good, nicely. So, the source of this halakha could be found in the Shulchan Arach. Again, the fifth part, Choshen Mishpat, chapter 22. Um, and also chapter 26. It says, Mekabel alav bekinyan ladun imchaberu lifnei goimeno klum ve'asur lidun lifnei. The Shulchan Arach answered this question a little bit clearly. It says, let's say you shake hands, right? You know that, by the way, in the diamond dealers in Manhattan, shaking hand is also like a Kenyan, right? It's like a halachic binding promise. The Shulchan Aruch says very clearly that you can never override the Torah. This reminds me of another thing. Let's say you write in a contract with your friend that I'm going to charge you rebit. I'm going to charge you interest. And it's not, there's no heter iska. Does that, does that hold water? No. Because the, it, the source of this is the, um, the Rabbeinu Asher. And he says over here beautifully that the Gros says that He said, doesn't matter that, let's say under civil law, you're, the contractor is not liable. But under Torah law, he is. So the Gro actually, the greatest Ashkenazi rabbi in the last 500 years, he says that we believe that all their laws are corrupt and it's just like their religion is Avodah Zarah, they are Avodah Zarah. Okay? The Shulchan Aruch here is not talking that you wrote it in a contract though. You understand? The Shulchan Aruch is saying that me and you shook on it, right? I said, hey, Mr. Simon, can you come build my house? You said no problem. But I don't trust the rabbis. If we ever get into a problem, right? I want to go according to civil law, not Torah law. And we shook on it. Is that valid? The Shulchan Aruch says no. The Shulchan doesn't talk about a case that we actually wrote a contract. So regarding this, the um, it's a fascinating machloket achronim. 
אבל אם יודע שיש סמכות בדין עקום, אף על פי שנישואים בפועל שעושה קניין עדות בפניהם, עמד שישבות עצמו בקידום חברו, על פי דיניהם. So it says, if, you know, under, under even civil law, when you write down a contract, it's much stronger than stuff that was said verbally, right? We know that in business law, the CPA, right? So the, the case here goes a little bit further. And it says, if me and you made a handshake that we would rather prefer civil law than Torah law, that doesn't hold water. But how, how about if under civil law you have a zechut, which means, very clearly, Reuven sues Shimon. Because he says you didn't build my house appropriately. Or you know, the roof is leaking, right? Unfortunately, millions of these things happen every year in the world. We all know that. Um, now let's say it says, under civil law, you are liable, the contractor, right? Or whoever. But under Torah law, you're not. And you wrote in the contract that what do we need to follow? Civil. Civil. And who's who's going to judge this? And he says, and and the, and the, and the contractor signed, right? So in this case, one of the great commentaries that's on on every page of Shulchan Aruch, Choshen Mishpat, the Sma says, guess what? There's a very guys. I want to teach you a few. Listen to this. So you can learn a few very important general rules of Choshen Mishpat, Jewish civil law. One of the most important rules in Jewish civil law is Kol Tenai Shebemamon Kayam. Which means what? Any stipulation that we make in monetary law stands. So the Sma holds that if we wrote in the contract and we made a Kinyan, that um, civil law will triumph Torah law, the kinyan, the handshake, and the signing of the document would prevail. So it um, comes out that civil versus Torah, who would who would we have to follow the betin? According Torah. to the Sma? Torah. No, no. The Sma holds civil. Why? Because one of the most important rules in Choshen Mishpat is called tonight, which means, uh, let me give you a very good example of this. Let's say we write in a contract that um, we don't want to go to Bekdin. We want to go to my great-grandmother that's 120 years old. Right? And not as, she's going to be the arbitrator. Right? A lot of, to a lot of post-game that, you know, that works, right? Because you didn't have to agree to that. Any condition in money will hold valid. I mean, nobody was putting a gun to your head. and You know what I'm saying? Even outrageous things that are conditions, liabilities in Mammon work. And um, we, would, we would, when push comes to shove, the contractor would be liable. Now, I'm going to let her show you the Avbetin of Baltimore sent me a tshuva on this, which is not so simple, because there's another very important rule. What's the second general rule we want to learn tonight? And that is, Uki Mamona Bechaskate, 
or in a different language, we say, which means, let's say all three of you gentlemen that are sitting here, you become a betin, right? In order to take money out of Reuven's pocket and put it in Shimon's pocket, Shimon needs very clear evidence and halakhic support, right? Because that's called, like we have in, in the uh, regular, our civil system, it's innocent till proven guilty. But this is the reverse, you understand? Which means we have to have a very strong clarity and basis to remove money from one person's pocket and to put the other. Now, that was the Samaz opinion. But guess what? Six different great Acharonim argue on the Sma. Right? And who are these Acharonim? The Taz, the Gra, the Hida, Geon Uzenu, the greatest of all Sephardic, the, he was the, you know, one of the greatest Sephardic, and the Urim Betumim. Now, here's the problem the Taz, Taz has with this. The Taz, the Tureza Hab, says, how could such a holy mouth as a Sma say such a thing? That we follow the Goim over the Torah? He says, never. He says, yes, it's true. Any condition in money called Tanaish applies. But that would never override Ela Mishpatim that the Rambam I just showed you and the Gemara. And because there's guys, there's the, basically, the Machloke comes like this. You have to understand, it's brought down in, in, in Shas, many problem. Mas, matne alma shekatuv betorah tenao batol. Which means, let's say you make a stipulation, a neder. Tafyomi was just learning the darin. Now we're learning nazir. Let's you, let's say you make a neder, a stipulation, or swear against the Torah. The Gemara says, what? You already swore to God at the mountain of Sinai. That was the night of Israel, that you're going to follow him. So, it's true, called tonight Shiva Mamon Kayim, right? But there's another rule that says what? Asur. You can't make conditions against God. Push comes to shove. We have to have, you remember? I'm not, uh, empire is not glad kosher. I don't think people should, but the, you know what their advertisement was? We answer to a higher authority. It's actually owned by Conagra now. It's owned by a Fortune 500 company, but in the end of the day, we have to look at the Torah as a whole. Torah Hashem Tenima. In Hilchot Nedarim. In Hilchot Shebuot. Right? If somebody swears not to do a mitzvah, is this swearing going to work? Is this nether going to work? Right? So, the Taz says, I don't even know how he could utter such a thing. He's such a great scholar. You know, he's like astonished. And he says, he says, no way, Jose. You, you, you when if you if you would would call tonight Shemamamon doesn't override the principle of Hamatna al Mashakatu Batora is you know and so the Gra also goes and brings an example of this. Another let's bring another example. This is unfortunately um I think it'd be appropriate for me guy for me to give you this guy's advice because it could literally save you from bankruptcy. Uh, my brother-in-law has been studying Choshen Mishpat for six years and I discussed it with him. 
One of the greatest mitzvahs that's brought down in this, mitzvah, this week's parsha is actually greater mitzvah than staka, and we know how great staka is lending another Jew money. But the Rambam says, you have to be very careful. It's not um, unethical or in bad taste to ask him for a guarantor or a mashkon. Like every normal bank does, right? They give you a million dollar, half a million dollar mortgage or a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar mortgage, but what's? Because, oh my god, this is another can of worms that I don't want to open. But during the Iranian revolution and ever since then, I mean, I'm only 45 years old, but my father was a leader in the community and he was a free arbitrator and a mediator and tried to help people. There have been so many families that have fallen apart from people that have borrowed money or sent, they were supposed to send money out of Iran to their family and, but they only sent maybe 5% of the money. What happens to the rest? Well, guess what? <laughs> the rise will no way. It, it, yeah, it may come when Mashiach comes. Aye, aye. So I, I want to tell you one thing, guys, it's forbidden to lend another Jew money unless you write a document. Now, Rabbi Shachatavitz, the Av Basin of Baltimore, when he was giving us a class on this, he said, so what? If I lend you $5, Elio, uh, you're my neighbor. What? I need to make a, you need to write me IOU? So the Allah is like this. That may be a little bit distasteful because we don't trust each other. So it says any amount of money that if your friend doesn't pay you back, you're not going to hold it against him. You're not going to have any ill will. Then you don't need to write a contract. But if it's a substantial amount of money, like for some people maybe a hundred, I would say a hundred is even between two neighbors or a brother, it is asur, is lifne iverlotiten mikshot. You're forbidding to lend money if what? You don't have a proper document. And secondly, the Rambam says another thing. He says a smart people do not become guarantors because Guess what? If the guy doesn't pay, you are. So the grub brings a very interesting question, scenario. The question is like this. Reuven lent Shimon money and Shimon says, Sayonara. I'm not paying you. So now, you want to go foreclose his house, which you're allowed to, right? Guys, I want to let you know that, again, in Pure Kavod, it says, when it wants to bring a classical case of who's a Rasha, it says somebody that borrows doesn't pay. For all you people that have embezzled your brothers, sisters, cousins and neighbors and friends' money, it may be more worth... I know it's hard to ask Sadaka, but this is definitely a terrible crime and Chilul Hashem that if... For sure, if even before you borrow the money, your, your, your kavana. Your end thought is that you have no way of paying it back. Then, instead of giving people heartaches and anxiety attacks, and you know, and destroying the trust in the community, just go ask for charity. Don't go masquerade and like uh, you know, it's Purim. Don't put a thing that you want to, you know, borrow the money, but you really want to eat it and you know, embezzle it and steal it. 
That's not right. So let's say there was a case. The case is like this. Very simple. One person didn't pay the other. Most likely people would borrow money with intention to give back. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. But yeah, that's something else. But I know... It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But believe me, there's a lot of sharks out there that unfortunately, I um, I hate to say this, but I personally have been seen so much people that don't have a conscience. They don't even feel bad of not paying back the money that I personally try not to lend people money. It's my Rebbe told me it's wrong, but unless they give me collateral or... So the case here is the guy didn't take collateral originally and now the guy owes him a million dollars. This happens every day, people. It's happening right now to a very close member of my family. The, the guy may actually die over this. He's having oh. so much anxiety. So he lends somebody a million and a half dollars, the guy's not paying him back. Three years it's been already. Now he wants to take him to Betty. The case is, we're not, we're not the Jewish, ma- let me just finish this idea. We're not the Jewish mafia. If you want to go foreclose, you need to get what? Permission from Betin. So the grub brings an interesting question. Which means <laughs> we're not, this is not the wild west. You can't take your shotgun, kick out the guy out of the house, right? You have to do it in a formal, you know, so the, the, the Sama writes on this. Let's say you live in the Wild West. Guys, there was a time here, Wells Fargo time, you know, 200 years ago in California. There was It was not part of the U.S. whatever. If people had a civil dispute, there was really no... Ma- uh, how do they say it in English? The fancy word for a judge? Man- magistrate? Whatever. Uh, the- magistrate. Magistrate. There was no magistrate or court for them to go to so that they would take the law into their own hands. He's a fascinating machloket, another example of this machloket between the Sama and all the other poskim, the Chida, the Gra, Zal, and the, the, the Sama says if you live in the Wild West and people take the law, it's vigilante law, people just take a shotgun, take the guy by the ear and say, I'll either shoot you in the head or get out of, this is my house now because you owe me $100,000 and this house is worth $1,000. The, if, it says, if that's the Minhaga Makom, then it would stand. <laughs> the Sama says. Says he says, So the Sama says the same thing. If it's all if also the civil law, if Betin didn't give you permission to foreclose on him, but only the civil court gave you permission to foreclose, would you be able to foreclose on him? Ask a question again? No, same exact question we just said. In the case of foreclosure, right? Instead of the Wild West, let's say it says that in the contract that I'll foreclose on you. The Grob vehemently argues. According to the Sama, you're allowed to foreclose the, on the guy. Just get a lawyer, take him to... to the Grob says, Chas v'shalom. He says, I'll read for the Grob for you. He says, Shem He says, that that we say, Kol Tanay works... Is to say, let's say under Torah law, let's say we write in a contract under Torah law. Here's a good case. Under Torah law, if I if I delivered to this house to you a month late, I'll I'll have to give you a thousand dollars per day. That could potentially work. Even the Gra would agree, according right? You understand? But if you're doing some, in our halacha, it says a Jewish court needs to give you permission to foreclose, right? This is very important. 
for hard money lenders. We have a lot of people in our Jewish community now that are hard money lenders. They're in the money. So the Grah says, no way. And he says, the Grah brings a proof from a Gemara in Makot. Do you know it's forbidden to overcharge a Jew for over one-sixth? Which means, if I... um this halacha, Rav Shachatav, it's based in Baltimore, says really doesn't apply anymore because um, we uh, it's hard to know. Like, if you own a boutique in Beverly Hills, maybe I'll charge $100 for this cup. Ah, oh, you could get it on Amazon for 20 but I have to pay Rodeo Drive rent. But let's say we're living in an old 100 years ago or in a situation where clearly... You're, it's clear that you're not allowed to overcharge. Right? So if, the halacha is very simple. If you get overcharged by more than uh, one-sixth, right? Which is what, 12%? What, whatever, um, I must profess everybody, I'm not a dayan. I was in Betin 35 times, but I'm not a dayan. Whatever the halacha of ona is, I think it's maybe... Uh, 12%, something like this. One-sixth? Yeah, one-sixth, something like that. Right, so this 20%. Yeah, so one-sixth, maybe 12%. So if, if, if you, guys, so let's say in the classical Talmudic times, you came to my store to buy this cup. This cup in every single store in the city is $10. I charge you, overcharge you by 20%. You know what the Allah is, guys? Our, our our transaction is null and void. I get I deserve a refund, and you know in Israel nobody gets a refund. You know okay. it's an American thing that everybody gives a refund, but there's a lot of countries in the world that nobody gets a refund, right? But this the Torah will mandate law law. So let's the Gemara Makot says, let's say me and you shake hands. I say, listen, I'm a, I'm a good used call salesman. I say, listen, I'm gonna send you sell you this um, cup on condition. That there's no laws of ona'ah. So you can't come to me afterwards and say that, what do they call it in, uh, in, people were doing this during Corona when there was a gas shortage or price gouging, right? You don't have any claim. Do you shake that you're gonna buy me this last and final sale and you can't have any claims of price gouging, right? Ona'ah on the Torah. Is that, does that hold water? The Gemara says in Makut? Gimel Amit Beit, right? Those that have learned the Gemara Makot, one of the famous Gemaras they all learn in the yeshivas, it doesn't work. So, this sediment is also, um, the, repeated by the Birke Yosef and the great Chacham Urim Vetumim. And, just to add one last thing, and with this we finish the shir, the, um, one of the great Rishonim, I told you that this, this is talked about, the last Rashba, the Bet Yosef in Halachot, um, chapter 26, Halachot Dayanim, the Maran Bet Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karo brings a fascinating Rashba. The Rashba says, I promised you that we'd talk about civil law. Dina de Malchuta Dina. Okay. We know, we Jews, by the way, one of the most Hashuv Dayanim in Yerushalayim is Harab Barzi. That his brother is the big Mekubal, Rabbi David Barzi. He has another brother in Hanov. Harnof seems to have very good uh, Sephardic Dayanim. He, he once gave a shir here many years ago, and he said something beautiful. He said any civil law 
that is there for the benefit of the people or your safety that you shouldn't die, you should have to keep. So he said, it could be that if you drive a hundred miles an hour on the freeway, not only are you breaking civil law, you're breaking Torah law. Because the Torah says we should. And also, Dina So the Rashba comes to understand this Gemara. It's a Gemara Nidarin that says, there is, we Jews do respect the country that does host us. I don't want to, we don't want to be vigilantes and non-conforming citizens, right? So the Rashma goes to explain this Dina Demal, because, right, the whole Shir is saying, either if the contract or the hench is going against Dina Demalchuta Dina, what, which ones do we follow? So the Rashma says, we only say Dina Demalchuta Dina if it gives honor to the king. Just like we have to respect the Jewish king, you also have to respect the Goyesha king. So he said, definitely, let's say you live in a monarchy, right? And it says you're not allowed to speak against the king because you're not allowed to disrespect the king, you get thrown in jail. Do we have to follow that? Yeah, we do. Because Shmuel says, Som tasim If there's no respect for the king and the government, people will eat, eat each other alive. You just saw that in LA twice, the last in my lifetime. Well, then we had two riots, right? So, definitely, we do need to respect the police, we do need to respect the government, right? If, if it's something for the benefit of society and it's not going against the Torah, then that's Dina de Malchuta, Dina. Because, guys, it's, do you know how the Rosh was understanding that? Because, do you know, even under a Jewish king, he could make new laws that are not in the Torah in order to have a peaceful society. Do we have to listen to that? No. Sure. Because Dina de Malchuta, Dina. So anything that's logical and bringing peace and harmony and prestige to the government, right, so that we have a smooth society, follow it. But this doesn't give you a green card. This doesn't give you a passport. But to go to their civil courts, we, this is not royal, respecting the royalty or being a good citizen, right? Because we have a superior rule. Who wrote our rules? Hashem. Who's greater? Hashem or man. So he says, and he says that, um, because it says, let's say you would, see, the Rashva is in, remember I mentioned to you guys in the beginning of the Shir, the Sma? The Sma holds, yeah. If we write in the contract, we have to follow civil law, what prevails? Civil law. This Rashva is saying, if you want to do that, then you've thrown Torah out of the door. In Ken Bitalta, it's a Torah. Chas v'shalom. So he, he, he says that the Rav Shachetavitz, when he was dealing with this case, the Avbetin of Baltimore, brought a compelling raya. And this is something else. He says, first of all, we see that when it butts heads, right? Civil law versus Dina de Malchuta Dina, or what it says in the contract. It's a dispute. But we have an overwhelming, one, the most important rule of being a Jewish judge is what? How could you 
be liable and take money out of somebody's pocket and put it in the other guy's pocket if it's a machloket. Right? That, and actually, the sama is a shitat yachid. Right? The sama is not the majority opinion of the achronim. So therefore, it's a very dangerous slope, the Rashba says. He says, if we want to start following civil law and think it's superior to Torah, then bitalta ta Torah chas v'shalom. Right? And the, so in, 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 uh, just to summarize, it, it would seem that the latest, you know, the Mishnah Brura, before the Mishnah Brura was written, the Mishnah Brura has a contemporary. Who was he called? The Arach HaShulchan. I was able to learn this. If Mr. Wecker, you're watching this, one of my good neighbors in Santa Monica, we learned this for a few months together, many months together. The Arach HaShulchan, you know, the Chafetz Chaim only wrote on, um, you know what he wrote on? Orachayim. He doesn't write on Yoradei or Choshen Mishwar or Ebenezer. Rav Moshe Feinstein and the chief rabbi of America, the chief postdoc of America before Rav Moshe Feinstein, his name was, um, Rav Henkin. I have a safer right here. They say that let's say the Mishnah Berura and the Aruch HaShulchan have, a, have an argument. Because they were contemporaries. You know, the Aruch HaShulchan was the Av Din of Nevardik. He was a very important posek. You know what the, what, what, uh, what the Feinstein and the two, the two chief postkim of America and Rav Hinkin say? They say that we should follow the Aruch HaShulchan. You know why? Chavetz Chaim was a Rosh Hashiva. Aruch HaShulchan was somebody that was a Dayan, was a Poseki. And you know, sometimes Yeshivish people could do a lot of difficult Chumrot. But in the real world, when people don't have what to eat, you know, which means, en chacham kebala nisayon. When people are actually, you're a chief rabbi of entire Europe and people are, you know, you're not writing academically, but you're writing what? Practically. So, just to finish off, not only does the Groh and the Taz and the Urim Vitumim and all these other poskim argue on the Sama, but the 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 the, the Mishnah Bura of Choshen Mishpat is who Achron is who the Aruch Hashulchan and the Aruch Hashulchan brings down the Rashba and says the same sentiment. If we want to follow civil law and think it's superior to Torah, then what have we done? Torah. We've we've Chas Shalom nullified Bitalta at Kola Torah Kula. Um, I just want to leave one second of advice to all of you. The smartest person is the person that never ends up in Betin. Just mediate it because a lot of times you never could predict the final uh, ruling. When you mediate, you have control and um, there's nothing better than mevater. A lot of times you say life is very valuable. Your time is also worth money. So to go to, I was in Betin for three years and I ended up being there 35 times almost. So you also have to make a cost benefit analysis. And this is why, by the way, all the insurance companies always try to settle outside of court. The same thing applies to Betin. The smart person is the person that settles out outside of Betin. Hashem should bless all of you with peace. Hashem